0: Well, hello, I'm Steve Kopp, and uh, I had the opportunity to preach this sermon this past Sunday that you're about to hear. And I, I normally would just go right to the sermon, but I wanted to set the stage a little bit, give a little context to it. Right before this message, we got to have a missionary update from a guy by the name of John Sackey. He is hes uh, the president of a Bible college in Liberia. The name of the Bible college is uh, Jake Memorial College. And he's been serving there for a while, and as he was sharing his testimony, giving his missionary report, he kind of went through just a series of um, very challenging, difficult times that the country has been through and his time of service during those difficult times. So, for instance, fairly recently, Liberia went through an Ebola epidemic, which really kind of shut down the country. And now it has just a very difficult economy. John shared that he doesn't always know where his next meal is going to come from. His wage is just so low, and it's not just him, but it's really the wages of many people in the country. There's just a lot of poverty there. And then most significantly, he shared about the story of uh, of his friend uh, Clark Jacobson, who they called Jake, who was uh, who was a missionary in Liberia and was instrumental in founding the school and running the school. And was a good friend of of John, and he served during a time of great of civil war. There was a big civil war in Liberia around um, 1990, that sort of time frame. And John told the story of how Jake died, and uh, it was a time when this death squad came to the school, and John and uh, Jake were trying to protect the people in the school, and so. Uh, Jake goes down to to meet these soldiers, and and he's killed. And he's he knows he needs to meet these soldiers, but in the midst of talking to them, they they see him as a threat or whatever, and they they kill him. And the people in the compound, the people at the school, and uh, and Pastor John, who shared, they were able to escape with their own lives, but Jake was killed. And so he just there was just a lot of difficult stories that this missionary was able to share. And it really segued well into the message. As you'll see, the message is about how we need to be willing to do the hard things that God calls us to do, even when it's risky. And we got a great object lesson, both from John, who is serving in that capacity. He's already, it's hard ministry, but he's doing it with joy, even though it's costly. And and then also, of course, of the example of Jake, for whom the school is now named, Jake Memorial Baptist College. So I hope that sort of sets the context. I also wanted to, I feel really bad, I, I mangled the scripture reading in the first part, and I'm embarrassed by it, but since I'm doing this recording, I'm going to give another try. So I'm just going to read Jeremiah chapter 1, verses uh, 1 to 3, I get, it, I get an extra chance at it. So let me read it again. Jeremiah. One, 1 through 3. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. Thank you, Thank you uh, John, and coming and sharing, and if you guys uh, paid close attention to what he said in and, and Tim's story, you realize that this actually is a, it's a good fit for the message today. And so if you want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, we'll, uh, we'll get right into it. Let me uh, just pray real quick. Father God, I just want to, um, first of all, bring before you Pastor John Sackey and his, and his family. Thank you for the work that they're doing there, the work that they're doing in uh, in a, in a difficult environment where, uh, where they know they need to rely on you for your daily provision, ask for daily bread. So I just pray that you will use that school to pass along the good news of the gospel to godly men and godly, uh, godly people that will take it and pass it on to others, uh, just as we read in Timothy, Lord. Thank you for those who are willing to serve in that ministry, to follow you, uh, whatever the cost. You are a God who provides for us. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about Jeremiah today, and uh, if you've been sort of here for some of the series in Second Kings that was leading up to this, you already know some of the biography of Jeremiah, but Jeremiah chapter 1 starts with that a little bit, so we're going to go through that just briefly. It says this, this is the uh, chapter 1, verse 1, the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth, in the territory of Benjamin. So that's, uh, that's Jeremiah, he's a priest, okay, this is where he's from. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Amon, king of Judah, of Judah uh, and went into exile. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of uh, Josiah, king of Judah, down to the 5th month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. I think I mixed that up a little bit, but hopefully you're reading along in your Bible can figure out what those verses actually say. But uh, we'll, we'll correct that briefly here. So this is, uh, this is just going to show the timeline a little bit. So Josiah came to power in the year 640, 640 BC. So we're going to subtract to go forward, okay? And if you remember, Josiah was a good king. Josiah was a good king. And he was a king that brought about this great reform. And Jeremiah got his call during the reign of Josiah, somewhere around 627. Okay? And uh, so this, he got the time, Jeremiah actually got the call of God in a Renaissance time of Jerusalem, of Judah. And it was shortly after that that Josiah, in his reforms, he finds the law. They're rebuilding the temple. He finds the law, and that brings about even greater levels of reform. And maybe Jeremiah got to see some of that really good news, some of that really good stuff going on. Okay, But after uh, Josiah dies, there is a series of kings. One reigns three months, one ten years, three months, and then ten years, or eleven years, and it's all downhill from there. It's a very quick demise for the nation of Judah. And so Jeremiah starts out in this time of renaissance, he sees this great revival, and then after Josiah, he just thinks, sees everything go to destruction. So that's the time, this is the period in which God is calling him. And uh, the people go into exile um, around 586. So it's between 627 and 586 that Jeremiah, that's his ministry, and it's it's not a good time for Jerusalem. So it's about forty years of ministry. So that's just the context. That's just the context for Jeremiah. Okay. So now what I want to do is take a look at his call. Now what we have we have two things we can do when we look at his call. We could uh, over apply everything. You see, Jeremiah has a very unique call, and we could take everything that's part of his call and say that applies to me. But that, that wouldn't quite be right. I don't think that's right. Or we could underply, and we could say, nothing in his call applies to me, it's just a call to Jeremiah. And so what I want us to do is to sort of see what in Jeremiah's call is unique to Jeremiah, and what in Jeremiah's call is a pattern for us. Because Jeremiah's call does serve as a pattern for those who want to follow Jesus and for those who want to be obedient to God. And so we want to take a look at what is unique to Jeremiah, what is the pattern for us. So let's take a look at this first, uh, these first things here. It says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So what's unique about Jeremiah's call? Well, Jeremiah receives a very unique, a very specific call. God appoints him for a specific task, and that is he is to be the prophet to the nations, as it's described. And in particular, we see as we read through Jeremiah that it's a call to the people of Jerusalem. Now, the reason I think why Jeremiah includes this part of his call and what God is doing in giving this message to Jeremiah is to say that Jeremiah is set apart. He's appointed for a specific task, and we need to listen to him. This is going to be in big contrast to later when we get in Jeremiah, when we see all these false prophets, and the accusation against the false prophets is that they have not been called by God. They did not receive the word of the Lord. They are speaking on their own authority. So it's important for us to see the uniqueness of Jeremiah's call, that he is the one receiving authority to speak from God. He's getting God's words directly, and then to us. So, we need to listen to him. But we also do see a pattern in this, right? Uh, just take an example. The first verse, the verse says, I, I knew you before you were formed, right? Before you were formed in your mother's womb. I think there's a pattern there. God knows us because of his sovereignty, because of his foreknowledge. He knows us even before we're born. And then we also see this language of appointing or setting apart further on in Scripture. So, for instance, uh, we see when Jesus sends out the 72. He appoints them to a mission. He sets them apart for a specific task, just like Jeremiah was set apart. Paul says that, I have been appointed, I have been set apart as a herald of the gospel to the Gentiles. So Paul had a very specific task. And then the other person who this language is used for is Jesus. Jesus is appointed as the head over the church. Right? He's appointed as the high priest. So Jesus is set apart for a specific task. And this language is used for Jesus' disciples. And so it says in John that uh, that Jesus has appointed us to bear fruit. We have been appointed to bear fruit. Now that doesn't necessarily, we don't have the same prophetic authority that Jeremiah had. We don't have the apostolic authority that Paul had. Um, We don't have the Messiah that Jesus had, but we have been appointed to a task. And that task is to bear fruit. And what is that fruit going to look like? It's going to look like um, an attitude that's centered on the mind of Christ, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's going to be uh, the fruit of our witness to other people, right? As, as we share the gospel with others and as people come to faith, that's, that's the fruit of the gospel bearing fruit, right? That's the work of the gospel bearing fruit. And so we have been appointed to these tasks, which is, which is to bear fruit. So again, what do we see? We see the uniqueness of Jeremiah's call, and we see how that plays out later in Scripture. What are we appointed for? What are we set apart for? We're set apart towards mission. We're set apart for a task, which is to bear fruit. Let's move on a little bit. What does Jeremiah say? Jeremiah says, Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. What do we see here? What's unique? God didn't accept Jeremiah's excuse of age or inability. We know, just kind of based on if if you were a priest and we know about the length of his ministry, we could say that Jeremiah was probably about 20 years old. So his first excuse was, I'm too young. And that would have been, a, a, any age is probably too young for the mission, as we'll see, that God's going to give to Jeremiah. But Jeremiah says, I'm too young. I can't do it. As a 20-year-old, I can't do it. Nobody's going to listen to me, man." whatever his excuses was. And then the other one was, I can't speak. I haven't been given, I, I, I don't have eloquence. Now, does that sound familiar, that part? It should, if you think about Moses, right? That, what was Moses' excuse? I, I, I can't talk. I, I'm, I'm not eloquent of speech. Moses had all kinds of excuses, actually. Right? But what did God do in Moses' case? He said, no, Moses, I'm, I'm setting you apart. You're the one who's going to do this. And I'll bring Aaron along. Aaron can speak on, for your behalf. Okay? So what does God do in Jeremiah's case? He says, don't say you're too young. Don't use that excuse. Why? Why? I'm going to be the one who's going to be speaking for... Does Jeremiah, if Jeremiah is a prophet and he's speaking on behalf of the Lord, does he need to know how to speak that well? He needs to be able to listen to God and say what God is telling him to say, right? He needs to be the mouthpiece of God. Now, when we read Jeremiah, Jeremiah is high literature. Jeremiah is really rich imagery. It is so well written, right? Where did that come from? I think that was... God working through Jeremiah to, and and I think we see in that God's empowerment of Jeremiah. God empowers Jeremiah. And so again, God empowers Jeremiah for this unique task. And then we see a pattern. And I think the pattern that we see in Scripture is that God uses the weak things of the world to do his business. God uses the weak. What does Paul say when he goes to the Corinthians? He says, I, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. I'm not coming with, you know, when I come and speak, I, I'm, you see my weakness, right? But what does he say? He says, it, it, I'm, I'm coming in this weakness so that the only thing that's glorified is Christ and him crucified. Okay? I'm going to preach Christ and him crucified. And that crucifixion, the, the fact that Jesus was crucified is a weakness to the world. But it's the wisdom of God, it's the wisdom and the power of God, and it's the foolish, it's the weak things of the world, that the world sees as weak, that God uses to bring about the power of salvation. The power of the good news comes through weak vessels like you and I, who can't speak, or who too young, or whatever our excuses might be, if God has called you to a mission, God is going to empower you for that mission. And that's a pattern, that's what God does. He uses the weak, we see that. Let's keep moving on here. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. This is Jeremiah speaking, and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations uh, and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. And the word of the Lord came to me again and said, What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is the tilting toward us from the north. And the Lord said to me, From north, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. And I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem and they will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. Excuse me. And I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods, and in worshiping what their hands have made. What do we see is unique here? God has given Jeremiah a unique and difficult message for Israel. Now, next week. We're going to unpack all that. There's a lot to unpack in that, isn't there? And so we're going to devote a whole message to just unpacking those few verses that we just read of tearing down destruction, right? And then these two images that he gets, these two visions. And I wonder sometimes, is God giving Jeremiah these visions as sort of like a calibration, like an initial test? Like, let's make sure your your vision is right here. I don't know. But at, at the very least, it gives a summary of his message, okay? And so... It's a difficult message, right? The vision that he sees is is this pot that is boiling over, that is bringing destruction. Do you think Jeremiah's message is going to be well-received? No, it's not going to be well-received. But it's a message that comes from God. And this is the essence of Jeremiah's call. He just does not have the freedom to do otherwise. This is a message that has come from God. Did you notice it said, God touched my mouth. What was he doing there? In the call of Isaiah, it was the burning coal that touched Isaiah's mouth to purify his mouth. Here in the call of Jeremiah, it's, it's God is placing his words. And these are not Jeremiah's words. These are not necessarily the words that Jeremiah wants to speak. And in fact, later on, we, if you read in Jeremiah, you'll see that there are times when Jeremiah brings complaints before God. And says, God, you deceived me. You tricked me. Look at all this. Um, people are attacking me. They hate me. I'm like a lamb before slaughter, he says at one point. And, and what did you do? And yet, he says, I don't have a choice. And in 20 verse 19, it says, But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak anymore his name. His word is, is, is in my heart is like a fire. If fire shut up in my bones, I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And so he's, he's, he's got this dilemma. He says, if I say these words, people hate me and they attack me. But he says, if I try to hold them in, there's like this burning fire in my bones. It's welling up. I can't. I'm exhausted from holding it. I have to share it. That's the essence of Jeremiah's call. He's got to get it out, even if he doesn't necessarily want to. He's constrained by obedience to God. That's a cool call. What's the pattern here? The pattern is that God has given us a message, which also includes some difficult truths. Sometimes, is the gospel well received? No. Again, look at the pattern of Scripture. What do we see? We see Jesus himself. He comes declaring the kingdom of God, the righteousness of God, the justice of God. He, he comes de- declaring the good news, it's called. And he's rejected. And he's hated. And what do we see? The apostles. The apostles come and they share the good news of Jesus resurrected and of Jesus dying for our sins. And they too are ejected. Why? Because there's a certain hard edge to the gospel. There is a message of judgment for sin. And there is a message that says we need to follow Christ. We need to be obedient to the authority of God. And people in our human condition don't want that. We want to be the authority. But it's part of our message too. so, So God has given Jeremiah a difficult task. And sometimes you need to know that God gives us a difficult task. And we carry on a message like Jeremiah's. And we can't just ignore that, right? Well, I just want to share the good stuff. The good stuff's not the good stuff without the uncomfortable part. And if we're going to be faithful to Christ, we have to realize, accept, and embrace that, actually. All right, so then what what does God say? God says to Jeremiah, get yourself ready. Stand up. And say to them, whatever I command you. I say it, you speak it. Do not be terrified of them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you. Not going to be easy, Jeremiah. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. What's unique about Jeremiah's call? Well, we see that God assures Jeremiah of rescue from his enemies. He, he gives them these metaphors. You're, you're going to be like a fortified city, and a fortified city is going to come under attack by its enemies. It's going to be hard. And, and again, there's the story of Jeremiah told throughout the rest of the book where people come and they... They throw him in a well, and they hope he's just going to die down there in the well. And he gets put in prison, and he gets carried off into into, uh, exile into Egypt, right? So Jeremiah's got a tough go of it. He's got people that are plotting his death. The people from Anathoth, where he was from, they plot his death. So he's got all kinds of enemies, but God says, listen, you, you will be obedient to me. Why? Because I'm going to make it so that they attack you, but do not overcome you. You are assured of rescue. Now, I want us to know, there's a pattern here, which we'll get to in a second, but there's a uniqueness to Jeremiah's call, because the promise of God's rescue from enemies, at least in this life, is not guaranteed. Right? Jake, right? he came and he, he followed God's mission in that school. And, and he was killed. If we think about the, uh, the story of, uh, I don't know, have, have you guys heard in the story the, of, of John Chow, the missionary to the North Sentinel? Sentinelese? Anybody heard that? In, in the, a handful, okay. Um, it, was, uh, it was in the news today about this missionary who, uh, or this past week about this missionary who goes to this North Sentinel island off the coast of India. And he... Um, it was a completely unreached group. Nobody knows hardly anything about them. No one knows their language. No one knows hardly anything about them. And so this missionary, John Chow, he, he goes and he tries to share the gospel with them. And uh, I think they essentially kill him on sight. I don't know how much he was able to get through, right? He's killed. Now, there's an interesting story of what's going on with John. And, and um, the initial reports that I read coming out of it was almost all negative. People looked at John Chow and they said, they they saw him as someone that was reckless, just uh, maybe even someone that was dangerous. They thought he could uh, spread disease to these people, right? which, which may be true. Um, and, uh, you know, he he broke laws, because there are laws against going to this North Sentinelese Island and, and, and being a missionary there. Okay, so initially it was, all, it was sort of all negative. Now, as the week progressed, some more information came out and discovered that he wasn't as reckless as it seemed. He, He did a lot of preparation. Um, He knew that the health of his body could potentially be damaging to the health of those people there. And so he quarantined himself for quite a while so that he would be fully healthy. He was trained in medicine so that he could uh, help anything. right? And so he wanted to go and learn their language. So it turns out he was fairly prepared, more prepared than initially thought. But nevertheless, the question was, was he reckless or was he following God? And I'm not totally sure if we, if I know, I certainly don't know all the answers to that. I, I don't know. But if he was following God, then he's following in the footsteps that we see in Jeremiah. And he was killed. He did not have the guarantee of bodily rescue. And neither did many of the prophets. There's other prophets in Jeremiah we see. They do say basically the same thing as Jeremiah, and they're killed. But for whatever reason... God gives Jeremiah this particular call, okay, and this assurance. But there is an assurance for us, and that is God assures those who believe in him of ultimate rescue. There is an ultimate rescue. If we are are, believe in Jesus, if if we have been rescued by him now, then there is an ultimate rescue for us, right? There is eternal life in heaven. There is an ultimate rescue. So that's good news. Well, I want us to sort of end with two big ideas, two big ideas to to get off of this. First of all, from the unique side. The unique side is this, that we need to listen to the word of Jeremiah. I think that Jeremiah 1 is included in the Bible, and Jeremiah 1 made sure he included it for this main purpose. I think this is the big reason why, and that is so that we would listen to the word of Jeremiah, so that we would say, yes, Jeremiah has received a call from God, directly from God. He is not speaking on his own authority. He is speaking on the authority of God, and therefore, listen to him. And he is setting himself up as distinct from all of the false prophets who say they're speaking on behalf of God, but who are not. So, point number one, listen to Jeremiah. Okay? He has received a unique authoritative call from God that matters to us. But the other part is this in terms of the pattern, and that is we need to do the hard thing. Do the hard things that God is calling you to do. Do those hard things that God is calling you to do. God gave Jeremiah a difficult task, a task that he knew was going to be unpopular, a task that he knew was going to get him into trouble, and God says, do it. And you know, i got to tell you that God does not only call us to do things that are easy, God doesn't just call us to do things that make us happy, or that bring us comfort, or that bring us security. Sometimes God calls us to do things which are hard, which are difficult, which are uncomfortable. And what you do in the midst of that call, I think, reveals who your God is. Because, see, if your God is comfort, then when God calls you to do something that threatens your comfort, you're not going to do it. And then when God calls you to do something that threatens your happiness, you're not going to do it. Or if your God is the approval of others, when God says, do this thing, and you say, but that's going to threaten my approval of others, and you don't do it, it reveals where your God is. But Jeremiah was constrained. Jeremiah had one God, and that was the Lord, that was Yahweh, and he was going to follow him. God doesn't just call us to do the easy things. I love it when he does. But sometimes he calls me to do things I don't want to do. But I'm constrained. Paul said, the love of Christ constrains me. I am a slave of Christ. I have to do it. I have to say it. I have to be willing. And it's worth it. It's worth it to do it. So we do the hard things that God is calling us to do. And that doesn't mean necessarily this is one singular call. God has has called me to this one single task, this one mission, this one purpose in life. God has given us his word, which is full of very clear instructions. You don't have to go far to figure out what God's call is for your life. You've got a Bible full of clear instructions on what you've got to do. And as you listen to the Holy Spirit, he helps you apply those to your particular tasks. And some of those things are going to be hard. Some of those things you've got to do. Some of those things are going to cost you. But we are constrained like Jeremiah was constrained as obedient service of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now maybe the hard thing that you've got to do first is actually make the decision to come under the Lordship of Christ for the first time. God loves you. He is not a hard, difficult master. He loves you so much that he sends his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, to take away your guilt, to take away your sin, and to offer you new life in the power, the same power of the resurrection that He raised Jesus from the dead. He, he offers you this good thing and He says, Come under my reign and my rule. And, and it's not to take away your life, it's to give you life to the fullest. You, you lay down your life, you take up a cross, you follow Him, but it, it's for fullness ultimately of life. Do that. But that's a hard decision. Making the decision to follow Jesus is on one hand the easiest thing you can do, and it's on the other hand the hardest thing you can do. It's the easiest thing you do because you don't have to perform, you don't have to do good deeds, you don't have to give a lot of money, you, you don't have to uh, you know, climb a wall or, or recite a bunch of scripture or anything like that. All that you have to do, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth and he saves you. You just receive it, that's it. And on the other hand, it's the hardest thing you do. It's the hardest thing you do because you have to say no to yourself, and you have to say it's not gonna. I'm not just. You have to say I'm gonna be constrained by Jesus from now on. You have to humble yourself, and it's so hard as a prideful person to humble yourself, and to say I can't save myself, and you have to come on your knees. So it's easy. There's not. There's nothing special you have to perform, but it's hard. Because it says, I'm not going to live under my own rule and authority. I'm going to come under the reign of Christ. I'm going to serve him as my master. So I invite you to do that. Maybe that's the first hard thing you've got to do. Once you've done that hard thing, there's a lot of other hard things to do. Right? And and so I just pray that we need the Holy Spirit to give us strength to do those things. But from the word of Jeremiah, I think we do those hard things. Amen? Amen? Yeah, John has trained you well, right? Amen. Yes. Amen. All right. I think what we're going to do, because we're uh, we're running about at that time, want to be respectful to the uh, to the people downstairs, is that uh, we're going to pray. And uh, sorry, sorry, Jeff, we're going to we're going to skip our final song today. So we'll pray, and then we'll be dismissed. And then um, there will be more time in our Sunday school hour to uh, to hear more from uh, Pastor John and learn all about what God is doing in the country of Liberia. So praise God for that. Let me just pray. Father God, we just need your strength. There are so many times when, um, when I confess that you've called me to do something and I, I've, I've made an excuse like Jeremiah made an excuse. I've, uh, I've come up with some reason why, not me, I can't do this. I've rationalized it away. Or I've just said no. And So God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for that. I need your strength to do these hard I can't do them on my own. I need you to empower me, to enable me. God, we all do. May your Holy Spirit work in our lives to give us the mind of Christ who gladly, willingly submitted to the Father for the service to others. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.